Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. All right, Tom, today, this is a huge show. Uh, you guys have a lot of, well, you have two similarities. You both play defense. Well, three. You both lefty shots. You both wore the number two. That's where the similarities end. Yeah, I know, yeah. Okay. Our guest today is a s- silky smooth skater, a legend, Hall of Famer, your ex-opponent. Uh, we have Mark Howe on today. Mark, how are you doing, brother? Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I, was, I know I've told the story before, but uh, Larry Plo, um, he used to be the general manager of the Hartford Whalers when Mark was in uh, was in Hartford. And I got to know Larry pretty well. He got in the agent business and he was working for the Rangers. And he said to him at one point that he almost traded for me for you. It was a one-for-one deal. And he said that would have been the worst trade in the National Hockey League history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was true. Yeah, well, like I said, maybe the Rangers wouldn't have liked it. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, no, Rangers would have loved yeah, it. Yeah, Rangers loved it. Would have loved it. Where are you living now? Uh, I'm living in uh, in uh, New Jersey, uh, in Jackson. So um, uh, it's it's kind of right in the middle of the state. It's right off of anybody who knows New Jersey, off of one nine, just south of one ninety five. Uh, it's a great location for scouting, and I I scouted out of here for the majority of the time for about twenty seven years. And uh, I mean, getting to New York, getting to Philly, to Washington, to uh, Hershey, Wilkes Barre uh bridgeport all those places i mean it's it's nice because i could uh i could get up get to the game and i could be in my driveway most nights and uh, and also i've I've had a place down at the shore since 86 uh so i'm well mark that's my question where where down the shore because we have uh down down along long beach island it'll be i so you so you doing the fist pumping you're down the beach doing the fist pump or what Uh, yeah no that's no it's actually it's a great play i I wanted to be down in cape may when i I first got into boating uh back in 86 and i know the fishing off the jersey coast is phenomenal (laughs) offshore and and i want to go to the cape may but i had uh, i had three kids they were all young and at that time there was nothing for kids to do it was great for fishing uh, but as you know, as a player, you're gone so much during the year and, and I wanted to be able to spend more time with my kids. And, uh, so we, uh, we ended up, uh, I had some neighbors. I lived in, uh, Moorestown, uh, just North of Cherry Hill. And, uh, they had places down LBI. They brought me down there and, uh, I went down there one day and I'm driving down and they got water slides. They got mini uh-huh. golf. They got, uh, yeah, they have all sorts of everything for kids to do. Uh-huh. And it's, it's still there. And, 
So I got into a marina and we park your car and I, everything you do is walk or bike. So, I mean, it's a wonderful spot. Do you, you know, you know, LBI at all, Tom? No. Awesome spot on the Jersey Shore. Oh, really? It's yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's not hidden, but it's not as popular as the fist pumping seaside. Are you down there yeah. pumping your fist? You're probably pumping your fist. I love LBI. It's a great place to me. Great place. Yeah. It's more, uh, to me, it was more family oriented than any other place I'd been to. So that, that's what I liked about it the best. Good. Good. Uh, so where did you grow up then? Uh, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, Right. Uh, born and raised there in 55 and uh, played all my amateur hockey there. Um, got away for a couple months, played on the Olympic team in 72 and uh, then went up As to Toronto. year old, right, Mark? You were like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I like I got two months out of school, so it was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and the school was great about it. So, uh, I actually, I came home, they had a Mark Howe day, which was, uh, oh, wow. surprise, surprising enough. Yeah. And then, uh, next year one played with the Toronto Marlies. Uh, we won the Memorial cup and then we got drafted in the WHA and I, I hadn't even heard of what the WHA was. I knew there was some other kind of league and, but like everybody growing up, my sights were set on the NHL. And, um, so we, but. As things turned about, Gordy came out of retirement. Marty, Gordy, and I played together down in Houston, and uh, it, you know it was one of the best things I ever did in my life. That's right. So people that don't know, like Does you, anyone, not yeah. Know? <laughs> so my father's Gordy Alhoy, Mr. Hockey. That's all. Yeah, that's a yeah. great question, Mark. How, like, obviously, we all have dads, and there's always pressure to live up to your dad's expectations. But how was that for you? Because your dad is Mr. Hockey, like Tom just said. Uh, actually it was, that was all handled through my, uh, with my mother. So back in the day, um, the fathers were gone a lot, uh, cause they traveled by train. They couldn't get home. Uh, most of them had to have summer jobs. So dad used to travel with, uh, all across Canada, spent a whole month, uh, being gone. Uh, so, but my mom's the one who sat me down and, uh, she said, look, um, you know, you're going to ha have this tremendous shadow that you're going to have to try to live up to. And, and you don't need to do that. You need to, you need to know who you are, what your capabilities are and judge yourself by you. What are your expectations of yourself? And, um, and that really helped me a lot. But unfortunately I was one of those athletes who I, I set my bar really, sure. really high. I had like, a, I said, what was your dream? I said, well, to, uh, to win the MVP and the Stanley Cup in the same year. So, uh, wow. yeah, and, you know, I, those were my expectations. So I, I wanted to be the Good. best. Uh, I knew I wasn't the best, but I wanted to be the best. And uh, so sometimes I'd be a little little hard on myself, uh, but uh, I'd rather that than be comfortable. So I, it just made you push every single day. That you know, I, I pushed every day till I was 40 years old and I retired. That's pretty cool that you were able to do that, to have that thought process, right? For me, I, my dream was just to play in the National Hockey League. And then I was lucky at the end of my career to play with uh, Wayne Gretzky out in L.A. And you could tell that his dream was like yours. Like he wanted to be the best player to ever play the game, besides your father, obviously. Uh, so I, I, I thought back about that. I really learned a good lesson, right? Like do what you did. If you want to have a dream, dream big. You know, if you don't, if you don't reach it, okay. But this whole process that goes into getting there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, I actually, uh, I think it was back in 79, uh, 78, 79, the last year of the WHA, we had a three game all-star series, uh, against the, the Moscow dynamo, uh, it was WHA all-stars and, uh, lo and behold, I was the left, I was the lowly left winger on the line. Uh, oh. Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky was the center and Gordy Howe was the right winger. 
So it's the only time I got M- I got MB- MVP of the first game, and I got booed because the games were in Edmonton. They wanted Wayne to have it, oh. <laughs> uh, but uh, and, and it was a tough time. Actually, my uh, I was uh, then uh, then married, and uh, my father-in-law had just passed away, and uh, so I went for the viewing couple things, and I left so I could attend uh, the All Star game. That's what that's what players did back in the day. Yeah. Um, but what I got out of that, and Wayne, I think was only eighteen or whatever. But he's the only guy I ever played with who wanted to score every single yeah. shift. Yeah. And people ask me, they say, who is the toughest and most competitive guy you ever saw? And for me, I well, it was Gordy when you when yeah. he wanted to. He got he did what he had to do. But uh Wayne Gretzky was phenomenal. I like I I played like I said, I got to play three games with uh on the line with those two guys and uh but playing with Wayne, yeah, it was really, really special. Right. Right. So you told us about your mother giving you sitting you down and having that talk. Was your father like that too? Did he sit you down and talk about things? No, no. Uh, dad never really said much or nothing. He uh, he led by example. Uh, he was the kind of guy. So I was uh, I was on the little league all star team in Detroit as a catcher, and Dad had a like he was a phenomenal athlete. He could have been a pro uh, golfer. Could have been a pro baseball player. And he was uh, he said, "I'll throw you a knuckleball." So he throws me a knuckleball and I'm going like this, going like this. I miss it. It hits me in the nose and I go down. <laughs> I get, I got blood coming out. I got uh, water in my eyes and he just looks and he laughs. He just, oh, yeah. that, it was that kind of father. So I, and then my, with my determination, I said, throw it again. Oh. He said, no, no. I said, throw it again. He throws it again. And here it comes. I'm going like this. Boom. Sure enough, it hits me in the right in the nose again. <laughs> I get up. I said, throw it again. He says, nah, nah, you're really? done. So, yeah. And then um, I know, uh, so my first game in the WHA, uh, we played out in Los Angeles. Uh, we won the game. Uh, I'm an 18-year-old kid. I'm in L.A. for the first time. And I'm out after the game and having a good, a good old time. And and dad's there, and dad, dad let us be kids. He let us be ourselves and learn and, and learn life through your own lessons and your own life. And, that, and that's how both my parents were. Uh, the next day we got on a plane about seven in the morning. We flew to Edmonton. We got into the hotel about three, had a bite to eat, maybe a half hour nap. And now we're playing against the old Edmonton Oilers from WHA and and here comes Jimmy Harrison at me, and I said, "Well, I'm going to go right through this guy." Well, next thing I know, I'm on my ass, and <laughs> and my gloves and helmet, everything flew off. And so then we get in the locker room after the period, and I'm I'm laying after I pick myself up, I'm laying there, and oh, my dad knew I was out late, and he looked at me and he goes, "Well, did you learn a lesson?" I said, "Yeah," and that's all he would say. Oh, that's wow. the type of guy he was. Right. Uh, very very seldom did he ever offer unsolicited advice so i mean right. the my parents doors were always open uh you know and even even during my playing career especially near the end i used to call dad and, and i used to say dad how do you know when it's time to retire i mean i was in so much pain with my back and in rehab like the uh, four times a week two hours a day and he used to say ah you'll know hmm. and i go what do you mean you'll know i said you can give me something here and but like it very few words, but his words were meant a lot. And sure. so I, what it was, I think it was like two months after the first time I'd called him, I'm driving home from a, from a wings game. We won, did our job. We won convincingly. And, and I just didn't feel the same. 
So I called him up at his home in Traverse City, Michigan. I said, well, I get it. I understand what you're talking about now. So, uh, yeah, very wise. Even though he had a, only a grade eight education, a very wise man. Right. Did, did, um, did he often tell you he was proud of you, or did you have that one moment when you're like, my dad finally accepted me you know, for what I'm doing here in his line of work? No, I, I think with uh, with me being a parent now, I, well, I have seven grandkids, but uh, and I was at a function with a real good friend of mine, and his son uh, had an album release, and first one, and, and I, I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I said, no matter what we accomplish as ourselves, uh, ourselves in life, uh, there is nothing near as rewarding as seeing your, your children, your offspring, yeah. uh, succeed. And, um, you know, and so it didn't take much. So like you know, anybody saw that when I got into the hall of fame, I mean, the one thing I had to do was, you know, congratulate my father and thank my mother and father. Cause I obviously wouldn't have been there without sure. him. And, uh, so I put on dad's Jersey and, um, it was, we had a relationship where now nah, we, I don't think we ever told each other we loved you till right near the end of his life. But, uh, yeah, like the admiration was there both ways. And, uh, my job as a son was just not to tarnish that name on my back. That that's, that's the burden that I carried. It wasn't so much. I didn't want, I'm, I'm sure I embarrassed myself a lot. Uh, I just did not want to embarrass my, well, you kind of right to the hall of fame, Mark. So you, you did a good job with it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So, well, but, but that, and that's, but that's the hockey end of it's one side. It's not, it's more, our life yeah. has always been more, far more about family and yeah. personal. Uh, the hockey happened to be something we did. Uh, we we're very fortunate. We were, uh, you know, obviously Gordy was born with incredible God given abilities. And, uh, and I had some as well. And, and Marty, I think Marty, I still believe to this day, Marty was a better athlete than me. Uh, I just happened to have more passion for hockey and a more burning desire. And I think that was probably the difference, but in most sports, especially in high school, Marty is a much better athlete than I was. We talked about the skill that you had and your father had, but you also talk about that passion, right? And I know the skill is part of it, but you have to have that desire like you did to not just be a player, like to be a great player, like to win the MVP and win the Stanley cup. Right. And that people don't always dream that way. No. So you, you like, I was always brought your, your, you're just, you push, I push to be the best and no matter what level. So I remember when I was uh, 12 years old, uh, I got cut from a midget team and uh, I, I remember I was in tears. So we had like a six game, like training camp thing. I was third in scoring in training camp and the coach uh, sat me down after they cut me and, and he said, look, I want you to go back, play one more year of Bantam. He says, you can play 60 minutes a night. Here, here you're going to be third line. Uh, you'll get more out of it. You'll develop quicker going back to Bantam. And uh, his name was Carl Lindstrom. And actually, he was the best coach I ever had. So then the next year, I ended up being on his team. Uh, we played uh, junior in Detroit on his team. So wonderful coach. He knew me. Um, he was one of the first coaches I had where everything was one-on-one. -on -one and he knew how to. Uh, sometimes I needed the kick in the butt and sometimes I needed the pat on the back and he was, he was great at it. So, uh, but you, you know, you, you work your way up. So you, you, every, most of everybody that turns pro, you're normally, you're the best kid on your team. You're turn pro. Now you come to training camp and you're like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, and that's, you get sent to the American league. Well, now it's a struggle to find your niche. Where am I going to be? And, and then, uh, you look, well, you look perfect example might be a guy like Dougie Gilmore, great junior, um, 
turns into pro. It's a struggle. He's a fourth line guy. Took him, I don't know how many years to finally get when he gets to Toronto. He's the go-to guy, but it yeah. took years to get yeah. to that stage. And that's and that's the just the burning desire that he has to succeed. Uh, that, and you you don't settle. So every day you go to that rink, you yeah. you do what you got to do to improve. Well, and that's how you get. Uh, we just did an event. We brought Brian Props event, and Mark has gigantic legs. I noticed that. And obviously, your game, you worked on your skating. Did you try to consciously have a different game than your dad? Because everyone knows your dad. You know, your dad was probably the first power forward. He, he would rough people up. Your game was more of a skating game. Did you do that on purpose? I couldn't. No, I could never do what Gordy Howe did. I was. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I. He was a different animal on the ice. Uh, boy, if you crossed him or you did something, and I know as a kid, I when he was playing with the Red Wings, I went to games, and once in a while he'd say, "Well, keep an eye on this player tonight." And I'd be in that rank, and just the guy would end up in a pool of blood in the corner of the rink, right. and right. and he did it. Nobody ever, nobody ever saw it because there was no cameras right. and everything else, and. Uh, Gordy had his own way of, of playing the game. I, uh, you know, he was, he was six foot. He was rock solid farm boy, 208 pounds. Here I was at uh, 185, 190 soaking wet with towels on me. Um, and nah, I saw, and you know, I, I played the game different. So right. uh, I know I dropped my gloves a few times. I got my face all bloody. I said, well, this is stupid. <laughs> so I said, well, so, but. It didn't mean I was a pushover. I mean, if yeah. somebody if somebody's coming to hurt me, right. well, as you know, Tommy, back in the day, if somebody's coming to finish you through the boards, I'm doing all my can. To, I'm going to put my stick right through every. Right. I'm going to take every tooth out of your mouth, and yeah. wow. and that's how you defended yourself. The Sherwood Forest. We called it the Sherwood Forest back then. Oh yeah. Well, well you know, then, big, then once yeah. once I got my aluminum stick, uh, yeah. so, you know, then it was like shrapnel. Uh, so, and the big thing with you was, and there's other players like a John Tonelli was like this too. You didn't fight, but it, the intimidation didn't stop you from doing your job, right? You continued to play through it. You didn't let anybody intimidate you. That's what I was one of the things I was impressed with you. Real quick, though, with Gordy. Um, so, I mean, he's your father. So when he's out there playing with you and somebody does something to you, I've heard stories of his like going after the guys that go after you. Is that true? Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. So, uh, you know, he and Marty. Oh. So, uh, Marty and Marty being the older brother, and even though we used to beat the living tar out of each other, even right. in practice as kids growing up, yeah, they – uh, yeah, they always tried to look after me, but especially dad, like if you, right. you did something to one of their boy, I, we had a game in, uh, in Phoenix years ago and, right. uh, uh, a guy took a dirty shot and came at me really low, uh, tried to take my knee out and he, I just got, I got up in the air a little bit. So I went down and hit my head, uh, but it didn't hurt my knee. And, uh, so I kind of, I, I was out for just a second. I come to. And there's Gordy just pummeling the guy, and there's Marty pummeling over top of him, and uh, yeah, Luana. So, and, and I like, I know, uh, and I live with the guy, uh, Robbie Fatoric. Yeah, oh, I know Robbie. Love the guy. Yeah. I love Robbie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I have a lot of respect for Robbie. Yeah. Actually, he took care of me during the Olympics. So he, oh. I was 16, he was 19. Right. Uh, he's one of the guys I live with. He took, he led me by the hand, took me around all around Sapporo, and sure. Uh, but Robbie every once in a while get a stick up well he actually caught marty in the eye one time uh oh and we let it go but then he got marty the second time and it scratches uh i think it's cornea or retina a little bit and oh. so marty had to stay in the hospital in cincinnati and uh we're walking out and oh my dad he mumbled something under his breath i don't know and and so i i just felt bad for rod dad one of, did one of the most vicious things i'd ever seen next oh. time we played against each other and like i 
uh, and dad was upset. He said, I wanted to get him in the eye and he missed. He hit him across the face and across oh, wow. the nose. And, I mean, it was nasty. It was nasty. And I, and I, like I said, I, I have a lot of respect for Robbie, but, uh, when dad played, I mean, like you, you hear Strolley, even Wayne Gretzky, uh, would tell the story. He said, yeah, he, when Wayne was with, uh, Indianapolis and WHA and, and during the, you know, and he knew Gordy Howe and he went up and he took the puck off and started going the other way. And he says, next thing you know, he says, I thought my arm was broke. I'm laying on the ice and dad come over. He said, Hey kid, don't ever touch my puck again. <laughs> well, I heard the exact same, I heard the exact same story from Dave Keon. And so Dave, cause they were that patented hook check and maybe the greatest leaf of all time. Yeah. Uh, and Dave said, you know, yeah, I took the puck away and everybody said, Oh, you got to watch it. Gordy's going to get you. He says, I'm not touching Gordy. Believe me, I'm not touching him. And then Davey did it again. And all the guys started sitting away. They said, he's going to get you. We don't know where, we don't know when, we don't know how it could be on the bench. Could be like whatever. Right. Davey, they said, he's going to get you for sure. And David said, uh, I guess he wanted to do it again. Dad moved his arms forward. As David leaned a little more forward, made his chin exposed. Dad rifled one of his famous elbows. And he put him in it, put him into the next day. And he saw he's in the hospital and all the guys are going, uh, well, we told you, but even Bobby Orr, like Bobby, everybody, almost everybody we know. And it, but it, what's strangely odd about it is and Marty said it best. Like if you had people that did that to you when you played against them or, you know, rearranged your face and nasty play, you would hate that SOB for a long time. Sure, yeah. That would go. But, yeah. But with Gordy, Marty said people wear those things like a badge oh, of honor. Yeah. And that's 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 the difference. And and that's kind of what made him so different as a player. I know. Uh, coming up, and I, I thought, oh, I hope Gordy's going to retire before I play that because I've heard all these stories about how tough and like. So I I was that defensive defensive. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to try to check him. You know, he's on the other team. But then I heard those kind of stories. Like, they, thank God he retired before I got there. So, yeah. Well, yeah. You have any issue? You were obviously, you went to the Flyers and were a fly, are a Flyer legend, but. Talk about some of the battles you had with Tom and his Rangers, because he obviously Tom, you know, he liked to use his stick in front of the net and in the corners. Yeah, but I was never near Mark though. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was out of chance. I would get in and out a little quicker. So your your biggest battles had to be against Timmy Kerr. Uh, oh, he's the, big man, the, the big big man. Well, we call, I was a nickname, the big man. So yeah, uh, and back in the day when you know uh, you know guys would train, but uh, one of the things we had to do is bench press our weight. Um, at least 10 times. Um, so with Timmy, Timmy weighed 230. Right. So they'd put 230 on the bar and he would, he would just, he'd rattle off a set of 20 piece wow. of cake. And then he'd look, he said, how many more do you want? Yeah. Yeah. So he'd just keep going. He'd get the 27, 28. He said, okay, that's enough. He is a good, thank God he's a good guy too. Like, oh, one, yeah. one, one, one yeah. of the nicest guys in the world. So, um, but I do not, laugh. He, that's how, but they, even how, how Gordy Howe was. Um, so dad was in the locker room one time and a couple guys, Timmy being one of them, they said, Oh, we'd like to meet your dad. We'd like to meet your dad. So I brought him over. So they shook hands and, and dad said, Timmy, can you do me a favor? He said, sure. What's that? He said, next time your game's on national TV and they're cross-checking you in front of the net. I want you to drop your gloves and smoke the guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then now Timmy Kerr being the nicest guy in the world is going like, why he says i'm telling you he said you're scoring 40 goals you'll do that do it on national tv so people will see it yeah and then he goes and then like a guy like you so you're gonna go 
Yeah. Oh hell, here. Oh, this guy. Oh, I gotta watch cross check him because he might smoke me yeah, one or totally. two. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. What? And somebody, my dad told Timmy, he says, if you can get a few people just to hesitate yeah. for a split second, yeah. he's a guarantee you'll score ten more goals. Then that's like I said, that's part of the brilliant, and that's yeah. how my dad played the game. Part of it was intimidation. He wanted his space around him, and that little bit of space. Well, you know, the game is all about cool. time. Yeah. And uh, it just gave you a little more time. Right. I remember Timmy Curry, I've got the video too. He came in the garden, he came around the net, was coming to the front of the net. And I, I, I got him with a good one. He wasn't ready. And I dropped him right on his ass. He went backwards. And I turned looking and go, oh, God, what's going to happen now? You know, that, so he had that reputation that, okay, you hit me. Now I, I might just take your teeth out. He, he didn't smoke you. He should have smoked you. No, I think I changed right away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got off the ice. Uh, <laughs> oh, you well, but Timmy's such a good guy. So I know we, um, uh, we were playing a game uh, against the Devils, uh, and uh, with Mike Keenan, every once in a while we'd yeah, have, here we go. Yeah. We would have we would have a fun day. And, oh really? Uh, so yeah, well we had a few of them under Mike. Not all not all horrible stories. All right, okay. Uh, but uh, but the only you had to you had to play your position. Uh, you had to play a different position than oh. what you normally played. Right. So Timmy would play defense. Well, he'd back up. And he'd take his arm and he'd back up like this with his hand up in the air and his stick. So anyway, we're playing a game of the Devils and somebody, I'm on the bench, somebody pinched in, so Timmy backed him up. Well, and Timmy could not skate backwards, like <laughs> one of the few, and he couldn't skate. But he's got his hand up, he's holding his stick, he's looking at the bench, and one of their players went right around and went in and scored. So we get scored against. We're all on the bench, we're dying laughing. And if it was anybody other than Tim Kerr who did that, they would have been shot. So, oh, yeah. Mike, so Mike was there watching. He just like oh, this, but oh, yeah, cool. but that, that, but yeah, Tim, Tim was a fun loving guy and so important to that hockey team. Yeah. Like, so sure. once you, once you lose at 50, 60 goals, I mean, ask the Islanders about Mike Bossy. Once those goals sure. disappear from a guy, then, then your sights of the Stanley cup become far more difficult. Yep. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mark, what was your relationship with Keenan like? Do you have a good one with him? Oh, yeah. Like I said, it was kind of love-hate. So I was brought up in an era that no matter how wrong your coach was, he's right. Oh. Um. And, uh, that, that's how my dad grew up. That's what I watched. Uh, you know, I watched for years with all the Red Wings and Mike was really hard on young guys. I think when I got him, I was already 28, 29, third, whatever the heck I was. And, 
and I'd seen a lot. I'd been through a lot more than a lot of the young guys, but he knew, he knew how to get into your kitchen and how to rally up. And the thing, I think if you go back to all the guys that played on our Flyers teams in the mid eighties, uh, under Mike, uh, we all look at it now that, Hey, he helped push us to a new level. Like I said, I pushed myself yeah. and I had my goals set really high. Mike Keenan helped push them a little bit farther. Was it ugly in the process? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was oh, so he would, he would get on you. He was still good. Oh, big time. Like, well, as a prime example, so we went and I, and I used to log them in. They kept track of minutes. So I, I averaged 32 and a half minutes a night, every night, for four years under Mike. <laughs> Did you? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Wait, so, that's half a game. Yeah. Yeah. A little over half. So, but we went into, we played a Saturday in, uh, I think Buffalo and I played 38 or 39 minutes. Then we went into Boston the next night and I played 42. Wow. And then the, ne the next day, and we used to do these conditioning tests uh, periodically or throughout the year and or have a day off. So we come in the next day and Mike decided he wants to do a conditioning skate. So we spent it and we never practiced more than an hour and 15 minutes max. But it was an hour and 15 minutes, no puck, just line up on the boards and you're back and forth or up or down. Well, uh, meanwhile, I come off averaging 40 minutes, two nights in a row. You, you got in at two in the morning. Sure. Now you're practicing at nine. So you had the rest of the day off. And I had a history. My I had a bad back my whole career. Right. And so now you're going up and down and up and down. And, and I always I always tried to lead every drill because I wanted to win every drill. I figured if you do it every day in practice, it just sure. comes natural in the game. And I'm trying, I'm pushing. But halfway through, now my back is starting to seize. Right. So now I'm going from first to now I'm last and I'm sitting and it's a struggle and my back's killing me. And when your back goes, you lose all yeah. the power in your legs. Yeah. And so, and I'm trying to put, but you don't quit. You just don't quit. Yeah. And Mike would come up and he'd whisk, he goes, oh, this is too hard. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you just go and go, go in the locker room. This is too hard. You're too good. You don't need to do this. Oh, wow. So I'd be extreme sarcasm. And there's, uh, um, I had another time where I think, uh, we had talk it, we had other, we had all these new guys come in and, uh, or it might've been the second year we had other new guys might come in before the game. He says, after the first period, I'm going to rip into you. And I'm going, why? He says, well, he goes, I want these young guys to go, oh my God, if he does this to Mark, how, what's he going to do to me? Sure. And I'm like, uh, okay, Mike, whatever you got to do. Well, we play the first period. We're playing Edmonton. And so it's probably 86. But halfway through the first period, he benches me. He quit playing me. So now I'm, I'm ticked off anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes in and he got so far into me. And they just redid all the partitions and everything in the in the, in the the uh, washroom. I The sinks, I busted everything. I just, oh, it's all. oh, I was, that's the eight. He was really good at getting people wound up. And and I come out and that's the thing Mike did. But but then like I said earlier in the show, every once in a while I would get I'd get down on myself just because I wanted to do so good and if things weren't going good and, and so you're it's really detrimental to you. We were in LA one time coming out of the LA LAX Marriott and waiting to get on the shuttles to go to the rink and Mike come over and he grabbed me. He goes, hey, you, get your head out of your ass. He goes, you're one of the top three defensemen in this in the National Hockey League. Forget all the crap. Go out and start playing. Yeah, wow. And to get a pat on the back from Mike yeah. Keenan like yeah. that, that was a relationship I had. So, um, yeah, 
do I, is Mike yeah. my best friend? No. Yeah. Uh, do I still have some respect for the guy? Yes, I do. Yeah. Every once in a while, he would, there's some things I didn't agree with. He would go over the line. He'd get into people's personal lives uh, when oh, berating wow. a player. That's over the line. You, you can tell me I'm a horseshit hockey player. You can tell me I stink. I suck. I'm no good. Uh, you're sending me to the minors, do whatever, but don't tell me I'm not a good father. I'm not a good husband. Well, he'd take, it to, he'd take it to that level, Mark? He, not with me. He did that with a couple guys. But Ooh. when you're a really tight-knit group of guys, when you hear that with one guy, it, it affects everybody. Um, you know, we, like everybody cared about everybody. And that it didn't happen very often. But And that was, I, I think it might could maybe take anything back. That might be it. But uh, like I said, that was a very, very rare case. But he, uh, he like I said, I, back in the day when you put a key in the ignition, I said, every day I put my key in the ignition, I had no idea what the hell was going to happen. <laughs> and, it, and it was every day, every day of practice. It right. could be a fun day. It could be like, oh, God, what the hell did I get into? And that was so, by design. That was by design too, don't you think? Like he wanted. It oh, that sure. Way. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. And so, I mean, you you look you know, the Rangers. I mean, the I was with those guys uh, after we played the outdoor game. Uh, hey, Tom was there. Let me ask you a question. During those years where you're playing like 40 minutes, didn't you get like plus 80 some of those years? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Brad McCrimmon and I uh, yeah. the one year. Well, and you know, it's like depends on the guys upstairs how they uh, yeah. how they yeah. market whether it's a plus or a minus and but. this and that, but. Uh, I think I was 85. Brad was 83. I, I know we played three years together. We were plus 190 we were roughly uh, wow. each. That's incredible. Uh, over what a great years. pair. Yeah. I think and, the best uh, I ever had, I had plus 30 one year, and I was pretty excited about that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. So, the well, the one year, so I was I was plus 85. I think I had 82 points, and I didn't win the Norris, but that's oh, because who won, who won uh, Paul, Paul Coffey oh, broke okay. Bobby Orr's record that oh, year, and I said, yeah. well, <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, I had three good shots at it, uh, uh, of winning the Norris, but, uh, like, uh, I know the, uh, first one, I, like I, I, uh, cut my kidney and I, I missed a while and anybody's had a lacerated kidney. It, it takes you down for a while. It's not yeah. something you just, you, you, uh, you feel great about. Uh, but anyway, so like everybody was upset, uh, that I didn't get it. And, and Rod Langway had won it that year oh. and I go, I said, I looked at it and I, and I still mean it to this day that I said, well, who meant more of their team? Uh, and that was my first year with the Flyers. I go, Rod Langway did a lot for that team. I guess he, he did more for that team than I did for the Flyers. So if I'm doing the voting, I would have voted for Rod Langway wow. too. Do you know what Mark Howe is also famous for? Changing the nets. Yes. It's a great Mark. You can talk about this a little bit. Cause I, I was watching a, a highlight with my son the other day who's oh. eight. Oh. And he said, he's like, dad, how come the nets don't look like bees anymore? I said, well, because Mark Howe, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, see, see if you can find that video anywhere. Nobody can find it. It's been... Uh, been I remember watching it. Yeah, it's been eliminated from the internet. And, and uh, yeah, so we were playing against the Islanders. Uh, we had a three-on-two against. Um, and the puck went wide. Uh, and uh, I think it was Trotje. And there was a guy in the slot, and John Tonelli's driving the net. So I pivoted to be between the two guys to uh, defend with my stick e either way. And uh, John Tonelli, who I, I was line mates with down in Houston. And yeah. uh, so John, uh, incidental contact, bumped into me. And uh, and I went down. It was right about the hash marks. But you're skating full speed, so you're doing some 20 miles an hour. And, and I'm going right into the middle of the net. And I, what I did, I put I put my feet up to absorb the shock 
with my knees uh, so that my back wouldn't have the impact. I mean, you know how quick split second everything yeah, is. Yeah. And what happened? But the net came up and where uh, oh. here we are, where that point oh. used to be. What it well, it basically what it did it it went in it uh, went into my buttocks area. It went uh, it went in a little over five inches. Oh, uh, it was about five inches wide. Uh, what it it scraped uh, my rectal wall. Um, and so yeah, I like, and I was screaming. I I thought I'd punk. I knew if went in far, and I thought I punctured my intestines. Stop whatever. I thought I was dying. Oh. And I said, what I remember the most was uh, I'm screaming at the trainer just to cut my pants off, cut my because I like I do something. I, I I'm in yeah. panic, major panic mode. And I looked up, and Nick Fatia was a teammate. Nick's looking at me, and his, his eyeballs are about this big. And I'm going, oh no! And I'm just screaming some more. And then they get me in the locker room while my dad was working with the Whalers off ice. So he was at the game, and I ended up losing uh, like four and a half pints of blood. Oof. So I lost, I lost a little over half my blood. And so I'm in the locker room, and I'm just screaming at the doctor, "Am I going to die? Am I going to die?" And he's sitting there, he's playing with my toes, and I'm like, I'm screaming out, "Like, why are you playing with my toes? Am I, you know, would he do something? I'm dying here." And then my dad came down from upstairs. And dad grabbed my hand and he's, and they had a couple towels stuffed in the, in the hole. And my dad said, I want to see it. And the doc said, no, I, I don't really think you should. He said, this is my boy. I want to see it. And I've never seen my dad scared of anything. And they, they took the towel away. And next thing you know, I didn't have any pain in my rear end. I had a pain in my hand because he squeezed so damn hard. And then I'm, so in my head, I'm going, oh my God, I really am in bad shape. Uh, but then, uh, I guess, thankfully I'd lost enough blood where shock set in and the pain all went away. Wow. And then, uh, so I, and it was a long process. So the, the night I played, I, I weighed in, I was 192 pounds. I always played at 190 something. Uh, I never, ever played again over 186. So, but uh, right after that, then, uh, and I had to have it lacerated and cut open again. What they did, they. It was about a five inch gash at the widest part. So they sew most of it up. They leave a little bit open. Uh, so hopefully it would drain, but it healed. It got infected. So then they cut it because it almost went through to my, my cheek. So then they just went oh. through the outside. They cut that open and they got all that, all the poison and pus out of me. And so then, then I started feeling better. So, but uh, I was down to 100 and, uh, 169 pounds, 170. Uh, and then, but I set my, Mike Rogers got hurt about the same time. Mike was very important to the team. Yeah. We were in eighth place overall. Six weeks later, we're in 18th. Wow. So I'm trying to get back in lineup. I want to play. I was a hundred I was 172 pounds. I was weak as a noodle. I was no good, but I set my sights. I said, uh, I had a chance to play my first NHL all-star game out in LA. Uh, I said, I'm going to play in that. So I played in one game prior. So we went to Philadelphia. And the coaches said, look, we'll just play you about 10 minutes. We'll put you on the power play. Uh, a couple of times, I said, great. Well, we're playing in Philly with the Broad Street Bullies. Well, all, the, all of a sudden, the shifts went from a minute and 15 seconds on most guys down to about 10. And I ended up playing 28 minutes. And, I, and, I, and I, like I said, and, I was, and that kind of precip that injury kind of precipitated my fallout with the Hartford Whalers. So, well, uh, yeah. Why is that? How'd that happen? Well, so we, so I got through that year, uh, like I said, I played at 192 and then I always used to be in my workouts about the middle of June, first July back in the day. And so I, and I started working out. Well, then I got a call to go to the Canada cup 
maybe a week before. And I'm down in Florida and I'd only been working out for maybe two, three weeks. Right. And I said, okay, I called. So I drove back to Hartford, grabbed my gear, flew to Minnesota. They put me on left wing. I don't want to be there. I'm no good. I'm weak as a noodle. I still needed six more weeks of training. Well, we go through that. And you know, when you start playing games, your training part's over with. Yeah. And then I get to Hartford and I was bad. I know it was bad. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, you know, I got called in for a meeting and they said, well, we know you've made so much money. You're comfortable with what you've done. And, Ooh. you know, if you'd like to retire and wow. that was their way of trying to motivate me. Wow. And I go, well, what planet are you guys on? What are you talking about? Like, I'm working to get better. And it wasn't until probably the last month of the season. And I told my dad, I said, look, I, I want to get traded. I want out of here. I just, these people don't want me. It's the first time I played somewhere people didn't want me. Wow. And I didn't like the situation. You end up playing for yourself and not for the team. And I said, I'm highly motivated. My dad said, look, it, you just go out and play good hockey. People will watch you. People will want you. Sure. And, um, so, and then you almost and, got traded for this blockhead. And actually, I didn't know a trade contract. So I put my list in. I said, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Flyers, or the Devils. Those were the four uh -huh. teams. I said, I want to go to any one of those uh, four teams. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Boston. So I called Harry Sinnott. I said, Harry, I gave him the magic. I said, I'll take a cut and pay to come play for your team. Wow. And then uh, so Harry pushed hard. He said, look, they want three first round draft picks for you. He said, you're not getting traded to the, you know, the rivals. And I said, well, thanks for trying, Harry. And so like, so, so there's the two York, two New York teams and the Flyers. Uh, and then they came back and they said, we're not trading you. I said, oh, you're going to trade me because I'm going to badmouth this organization. Okay. Every person that comes into this, I was doing whatever I could. I was right. being nasty. And, Who was the GM at the time? Was Larry Plow the GM? Yeah, Larry was the GM. So, and, and I like, so I, people do that. I, I, I hold no grudges. Uh, I wasn't happy about it. I'm sure he wasn't happy about it. And things happen in the game. Uh, Larry was a teammate of mine. He was a, he was a good guy and just things went awry, but in the end, it ended up being a blessing. So yeah. I, I, I went to a team that it was all about team, uh, the way the philosophy, uh, that I grew up with and, and what I believed in was exactly what the flyers were. And it was all about team and never about individual stats. Right. And, and the other part was, plus when I played in Hartford, people tried taking runs at me probably 10, 15 times a game. They just yeah. couldn't catch me. Yeah. And I said, uh, when I got to Philly, my first training camp, my partner was Glenn Cochran. Oh. And uh, so a week later, they said, okay, you and Glenn play together. Mark, you go play hockey. They looked at Glenn. They goes, anybody touches him, you kill him. <laughs> and he did, too. He did. Big, big, big tune. Yeah, well, and I got to give him a shout out. I know most people don't know. He, uh, Glenn right now is fighting uh, fighting a battle with leukemia. Oh, awesome. uh, so, uh, and uh, he's one of the guys, to me, the nicest guys out of this game are the guys that were the toughest yeah. guys. And he's one of the toughest SOBs and one of the greatest people I know. Yeah, so I uh, shout out for him, but actually he was a great partner. Um, you know, we're, cause he was plus 40. Everybody yeah. says, man, you're how you're really good. You had Glenn Cochran <laughs> plus 40. I said, I said, no, I said, we got chemistry. That's all it is. We had yeah. chemistry together. Glenn would say, you go. And he said, I'll back you up. And he said, I'll take care. I said, no, I will be back on defense by the time they hit the red line. And if I'm not, you come kick my butt. I yeah. pro That's my bow yeah. to you. That's cool. And, but then I do remember the first uh, one of the first games we were playing now in L.A. And I sucked a guy in to think he could get me. And I, I got him the bike to come off the far post. And the center came across. All I did was put on the brakes. I took off the other way. And I'm leading a five-on-three rush. And... 
this guy, the right winger, just took this vicious run at me, hit the glass. And as I'm leading the rush, here comes Glenn Cochran the other way. And Glenn always took his equipment off. And oh, Glenn's yeah, right. shoulder pads and everything are flying. He's chasing this guy around the ring, and the guy's going, I didn't hit him. I missed it. I didn't hit him. I missed it. And I'm sitting there, and I oh. saw the whistle blows, and Glenn gets a penalty. I go, I'm sitting in the in the bench. I'm laughing. I go, wow, is this a lot different than Hart? Yeah. So, yeah. It made the game a little more fun. Did you hate the Rangers, though? Because a lot of Flyers say they back then they did. Did you hate Tom and his Rangers? No, I didn't hate the Rangers. I hated losing to the Rangers, yeah. uh, to be more specific. I know uh, yeah, well, a couple of times in the playoffs they had our number. Yeah. Uh, one year, Johnny Van Beezer got really hot. And, yeah. and uh, another year, like my first year, I, I, I was still learning. Because realize, I only played defense for basically a year and a half uh, in Hartford, maybe two years. Uh, and then because I lost all that time with my injury. And uh, that's when I first started playing defense. So I got oh. to Philly. I'm only in year three of playing defense. Oh, I didn't know that. So, okay. How did that happen? Yeah. How did you make that switch? Or what, what prompted that besides the injury? Well, when the, le- when the leagues merged... Um, when you're playing forward, it's really difficult to be effective and play more than 24 minutes a night. So they put me on defense where I could play 30 minutes a night and I, and I could skate all day. I was lucky I could skate all day and, and, uh, but you could control the game more as a defenseman than you can as a winger. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, So Mark, Mark could control the game. I didn't control the game. (laughs) So, but you, yeah, you control the pace of the game. If you want it up-tempo, I made it up-tempo. If I wanted to draw it out and suck the team in, create gaps, you could do that. And it all depended on the situation of the game and what was going on. And, but, yeah, the uh, so I was just learning how to play defense. And I think in uh, my first year, 82, the Rangers beat us. And to this day, I, I remember it was a, uh, game three. It was a tie game. Uh, Glenn and I were backing up and I just came too far to the middle of the rank and the pass on wide guy went in shot, scored the game winner. Those are the things you don't forget. I don't remember all the good things, but I do remember the bad things. And so they actually, they ended up bringing uh, Eddie Van Imp on the ice to work with the defense. And Eddie looked at me, he said, we are a runner up for the Norris. Like, what am I going to teach you? And Eddie was yeah. one of the toughest SOBs that ever played the game. And he goes like, you know, look at your skill set. And I said, Eddie, nobody's ever taught me anything about how to play defense. So he taught me how he played the game in his mind. And it was all about positioning and angles and knowing your opponents, knowing your own players. And he had me think the game a little different. So now instead of having to use my speed to catch up because I made a mistake, now I'm in the right position. So now you have your energy and and the wherewithal to now you can break up plays. Now you have all that energy to go on offense and do a quick hit. So he structurally really helped my game a lot. Yeah. How many how many years did you play in Philly? Ten years. So uh, seven, seven in Hartford? I played four years in Houston. Uh, I had five years in Hartford. Three and were in the uh, NHL. Uh, then uh, ten in Philly, and I finished my last three in Detroit. And the hard part about Philly, so I think when I herniated a disc, Actually, it was at the LAX. LAX caused me a lot of problems. Uh, the Marriott there, we were doing some uh, weight training on an off day, and I was doing some weights above my head, and something popped in my back. And my back had been bad, like I said, for years. And I finally herniated the disc, but they couldn't find it. I spent a year and a half before they finally found it, and then they operated on it. it took me a while because like, then I re-injured it again. And Fortunately, I was able to play another five, six years, but it, uh, yeah, I, I almost missed about a year and a half of, uh, of, of games in my stint in Philly. How many years, how many times did you go to the finals? 
I uh, went to the finals three times. So right. twice with Philly, 85, 87. Uh, 87 was uh, the closest shot. I mean, it was uh, a great series with Edmonton. And, yeah, uh, right. they, and they come out and they come out in game seven. They played like the champs. It was Ron Hextall, who won the MVP of the series. Yeah. Uh, was absolutely superb. The, the score might have been a little, a little more out of reach, but uh, uh, yeah. And then my last year with Detroit, and even though I was relegated to the the Black Aces, uh, and that was a team that was probably the most talented team I'd ever been on. Detroit. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Eisenman and Federoff, and you know, the list and Konstantinov was just starting to come, and Nick Lidstrom was just starting to come. Oh, Paul Coffey was Paul Coffey won wow. Morris that year. He was great that year. Yeah, there was a lot of good players on that hockey club and, and Hall of Famers, but they were still in the process of learning what it was to win. And the Devils, the Devils, Devils smothered you. Yeah, they come in game one while we we changed. I don't know why. Uh, we played one way all year long, and they tried to change how we played game one against the Devils, and it backfired. Then we went back to trying to play the game that we played, and um, they they want a close game in game two, and uh, so the, you go there, you're down two. So I played the first two games, uh, and then Mike Ramsey got healthy again. Mike Ramsey got back in, and and, uh, and I ended up watching from upstairs. And uh, but how was I, how was that how was that for you after the career you had sitting upstairs watching? No, oh, it was tough to take. Yes, yeah. but but like I said, I've always prided myself in uh, being a team player. I mean, ironically, the the funny side of this story is. Uh, like I said, every, you say everybody in the world knows Gordy Howe. Uh, the first game of the playoffs, I'm out for warm up. I come off, I ride the bike, and after the bike, I come out and I'm with my dad. I said, I, I can't sit in the stands with you. I said, We're going to go find a place. And I knew a guy that had a car dealership and they owned a suite. He said, Mark, if you ever want to come up here, you come stay with us. I said, Great. So I grabbed my dad, we go up to the suite. I knock on the door. So I said, You know, is Dave here? And they said, No. Was anybody from the car dealership here? And they said, No. And I'm saying, Dad's right next to me. And the guy's going, can I help you? And I said, well, yeah. I said, he said, no, these guys, they, well, what they did, they, I think it cost them 35 grand a year for the uh, for the suite back in the day, and they got 30000 for the game. So they leased it out for the game. So it was a private group. And so I said, oh, okay. So I grabbed Dad. We went up to the press box, went sat somewhere else. And after the game, so the media is interviewing me, and they said, well, what, was it hard to take? And it's tough. I said, no. I'm a black ace. My job is to be ready. I was focused on my job, what I had to do to help the team. But I said, I got a great story. I said, I finally met somebody in Detroit that did not know Gordon Oh, that's Howell. funny. So, that's funny. That was, so I, I, it kind of made it a little easier for me yeah. to swallow. Here's these guys that paid $30,000 for the suite, and they could have had Gordy and Mark Howell sitting with them in the suite, right? <laughs> well, that's funny. They could have had Gordy Howell in her suite. So. Yeah, no, no. No, you're right up there, too. So when you look back at your career, any regrets? No, well, not really. I like. Everything's easier hindsight. I didn't want to stand like cut. I mean, I, I grew up wanting to win a Stanley. Other than that, no, I can't I can't really say. It. I mean, I just you know, a couple of, I wish I never had a bad back. Uh, I mean, the laundry list of injuries I had from being a smaller player, especially when you start slowing down a half step, now the people can get you. Broke my ribs four separate times. I separated oh, my shoulders three times. I've had probably six or seven concussions. Yeah. Had had my back surgery, had my knee operated on, broke my thumb. Uh, I had that major injury in Hartford, uh, but to this day, I I feel my back issues affect me uh, much more negatively than uh, than the 
the adversity of uh, the injury in Hartford. So, but that's part of, I think, what made me who I was. You persevere and nothing gets you down and you keep moving forward. But uh, no, I, I, I really don't regret. I just, uh, yeah, I wish I'd won a Stanley Cup, but I, I do not hang my head about that at all. So I, I, know, I, I know I gave it my best and that's all you can do. Yeah, and you wound up in, in the Hall of Fame in Toronto. So that's pretty good, uh, you know, icing on the, on the cake. Yeah, and that's one of the things. Like, I I never really expected to get in the Hall of Fame, uh, and I am honest. I tell it all people all the time. They don't believe it. I said I really don't think I should be in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think there should be a few other people. You don't uh, think you should be in the Hall of Fame? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, no, 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 because I, I hold, like, I held myself to a high standard. Right. The Hall of Fame is for the Gretzkys, the Messies, the Lemieux, the Jean Bellavos, the Gordy Howes, the Bobby. I mean, you know, the Mark Howes. Li- I'm not in that category. Like I'm not. Like no well, matter what, you're being uh, very humble. Yeah. Here's a newsflash for you. I don't think that's <laughs> no, true. I, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But I think. But I know. I, I know one of the reasons I got in. I know when Mike Emmerich, Doc was great. Doc used to be on the uh, election committee, and Doc used to call me. He says, "I'm trying to get you in," but. He said, a bunch of the old old cronies on the list, he goes, they don't like people that went to the WHA. It was, I said, oh, I didn't yeah. go there. I said, I was in the WHA. I came to the NHL. And they, they didn't like some of that. And uh, so they didn't want to consider those stats. So, I mean, I had, uh, I don't know, 700 and some odd points in the NHL, but I had another 500 and something yeah. in the WHA. Mark, Mark anybody, watch, anybody who watched you it just does the eye test. You're a Hall of Famer. I mean, you're being very humble. And what people don't understand, too, is it's a hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the NHL Hall of Fame. So it's all the statistics. Guys from Europe, wherever they're playing, all those numbers count, right? So. Oh, yeah. I, no, I have to. I, I go back to in 72, and Robbie Fatorik says, you, you got to come with me. You got to go see the Russians play. I watched them play the Swedes. It was a 3-3 game, the first game. And I said, oh, my God, because I've never seen Inter national competition before right. i said i watched harlem off he had the puck in the corner it was about five feet in the air and a guy's cross-checking him from behind he bounced it in the air the whole way went behind the net came around the other side and swatted it in the net i mean if they want a youtube highlight dig up that one i'm going there's nobody in the nhl can do that right. and then they had the first can of the cup and which was like you know a incredible series and uh, everybody said, oh, Canada's just going to wipe them out. Yeah, and I, I, I told my dad, I said, I think Canada's going to win. But I said, it's going to be difficult. I said, these guys are really good. And Sweden was just as good. And, the, I mean, the Czechs were good. I mean, uh, uh, Finland wasn't quite at the level that these other guys were, but they were really good. Uh, and it was a laundry list of guys. But that wasn't exposed to anybody here in North right, America yeah. back in 72. So. Yeah, and, I, and I'm so again, like I said, some of the Russians I played with, some of the Russians I work with in Detroit, Lariana. Yeah. Uh, for me, Slava Fatisov, I think, was one of the best defensemen in the world yeah. for at least a five year period. Yeah. Phenomenal player. So, and I, 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 I was so happy. The last two games I played in Detroit, uh, regular season, uh, Slava was my partner. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he was 39, I was 40. So, uh, the big, the big bear. But, uh, like you said, you play with Gretzky. I remember. I remember, and I always enjoyed sitting, uh, being teammates with great players, just yeah. to meet the people, see what made them different. And uh, Slava is one of those guys. Yeah. Well, you know, the other guy too. I was very lucky. Uh, another defenseman like yourself, Larry Robinson, was the same way. I got to play with him at the end of my career too. And just a great person, fun guy, like a little kid out there. Love playing the game still. So I, I just and I got to say about Larry Robinson, I'll give you one more story. Yep. Uh, and here's Larry Robinson, the guy. So we we're at the All Star Game in Hartford. Uh, and my dad was the honorary, uh, captain. 
so he picked my uh, my son Travis, who was about six years old at the time, to to skate. Uh, and so now they're doing the team picture. Gordy's in the picture. I'm in the picture. My son Travis is standing on the back of the room. Larry Robinson was captain of our team. Larry stood up. He said, "Hold up, hold everything." He said, "Travis, get over here. You got to get in this picture with yeah, your awesome. Travis and your dad." So that Larry, yeah, like, uh, that's it. Uh, yep. To me. Yeah. That's him as a person. Uh, one of the all time greatest defensive to me is obviously in the, I think in the top five Yep. and, uh, but as a person, yeah, he's definitely in the top five with that as well. And I, and I respect that as much as anything. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, listen, yeah. uh, we really didn't get to know each other until like probably last weekend or two weekends ago when we met and played against each other a lot. I've got a ton of respect for you as a person. I know you talk about your father a lot and he's a fantastic man, but You've had your own life, your own career, and you should be very proud of yourself. So thank you very much for uh, coming in here on the show. No, thanks, Tom. Yeah, so uh, yeah, hopefully we can do some more things. So, yeah, even though we used to live about 300 yeah. yards apart yeah. in Detroit, uh, right. but you were in the agent business, and I was yeah. still trying to lumber around on the rink. But, yeah. uh, no, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And, yeah, I always respected your game and the way you played. And, oh, thank you. Uh, like I said, there's uh, every once in a while your kids say, oh, this guy's no good, that guy's no good. I go, look it. There's 600 back in the day. I said, there's yeah. 600 players that play in the NHL. I said, you're getting probably 590 of the best players in the world. Yeah. So as much totally. as you don't like them, you better respect them all. And that's one thing. My dad always, he didn't show it. Uh, but I know, uh, I know he respected all his peers and I do as well. <laughs> All right, Tom. So we have the NHL's best, uh, I know. according to my buddy Brian Noble, Mark Howe was on. And we talked about it. His legacy, to live up to Gordy yeah. Howe, I mean, he did it. Yeah. It, very interesting. The first time I really talked to him about his career, it's interesting how he really pushed himself to be better, right? But a lot of guys don't talk like that. But it says you were too. He was pretty funny. He did yeah. some good stories. Your yeah. goal was just to basically stay on the team, right? Not get cut. Well, it, I talk about that a lot. It's true. When, when I was coming up, I just wanted to play in the National Hockey League. So when it happened, I was like, okay, I've done it. That's it. Done. Yeah. Check, please. I, I hope I still kept pushing myself, but not to the level that he talked about. So that was. That was no, crazy. but just, just think about it. It's got to be impossible to have that over your head that Gordy Howard's your dad. Yeah. And yet he said Gordy Howard was yeah. great with him. And he he was, he, yeah. you know, had these goals. And he made the, he made the Hall of Fame. Guys are Hall of Fame. And that was interesting when we talked about the Hall of Fame. He generally did not think he belonged to the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding? And he was really honest about that, too. That wasn't him being Hall of Fame. Guy's a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Don't doubt Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. His numbers, like you said, it is a Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not an NHL Hall of Fame. So he had those years in the WHA where he had a lot of points as well. But even still, the guy was racking up 90 yeah. on plus minus. Like, who does that? I know, it was interesting talk. I didn't realize that he played like 40 minutes a game in some places. Like, that's that's uncalled for. What, what, that, what was like your best year? Oh, big 25 tops. 25 but still, but that still was a lot. And then I played back-to-back games doing that. Like, I remember being more tired if I had a game where it was 25, 26 minutes and playing the next game. But he had times where he's talking like 40 minutes 40 40 TV next 40 minutes and he was skating too like he wasn't standing still like i was so well like i said you obviously you, you know you tell me all the time what incredible shape you're in and how you're this specimen of a man but thank you we saw mark at the brian prop charity event and I, I, that stood out to me is his, his legs were tree trunks yeah totally yeah you- so i'm 65 and he's what 67 is that what you're yeah, yeah 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 right. good man that's a great interview he was fantastic yep awesome awesome show oh and for people listening to our show please like and subscribe and if kind enough to leave us a review that would help thanks so much All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. 
They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.